and welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Now, it's fair to say that Republic of Ireland have been blessed when it comes to the quality goalkeepers over all these years. Packy Bonner, Alan Kelly, Dean Coyley, Shea Given and Darren Randolph to name a few. But and Nicky Coggan. No. <laughs> but <laughs> it's fair to say that none of these could compare to Ireland's most successful keeper with 11 Premier Leagues, 9 FA Cups, Eight League Cups, one Champions League. Emma Bourne is truly Ireland's greatest number one. <laughs> Emma, welcome to the big kickoff. Hello, thank you. Hello. Thank you very much. Listen, before we talk about your career and all that success, right? It's it's only about nine months since you hung up your goalkeeper gloves. How's retirement going? Uh, what have you been up to? And uh, is there a lot of food that you've been eating that you never ate <laughs> <left> before? <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. Um, it's been going grand, like. Uh, you're right, it hasn't been that long, uh, but it's been different. I've been seeing how normal people live um, <laughs> and working, <laughs> which is not great, but I, I've realised that I had a really easy life before, yeah. and, you know, it's difficult, for, it's kind of difficult to adapt to that, but um, I'm really enjoying it, to be honest, because it's a new experience for me, and... I was looking forward to a new challenge. It was time. And how do you find that, like, obviously not being in this bubble where you're being told what to do for most of your life? How do you yeah. find it now having your own decisions to make? Yeah, that was really weird for me at the start, like, having to make my own decisions. <laughs> Little things like what to wear every day. What to eat, even. Uh, what to eat, exactly. Uh, what to eat, not, like, just working around my own schedule and being responsible for myself that was very strange I never had to do that I know that that, that might sound a bit strange for people but, but that's what is the biggest struggle for ex-professional yeah. footballers isn't yeah. it and that's where a lot of them do struggle in the, the kind of mental side of things for a year or two with that not no no and to be quite honest I can understand yeah. I can understand that struggle it was um, it's a completely different environment you're in um, you're not there's nobody there to remind you of stuff there's nobody there like you're not with a, a group of people it's like we're, we're like lemmings just getting led everywhere and meeting up and getting brought somewhere I, I used to know who we were playing I, just, I don't know who we were playing like just take me and put me in goal I know I have a game somewhere and, and after that I know we'll have three points it was, it's just it's very surreal so how did you originally when because football I suppose in in Ireland back in I suppose in the in the 90s and stuff like that girls football women's football it wasn't huge was it how did you get into football um well I I used to play football like with my brothers I have two older Mm. brothers as you know Um, Johnny and Stephen and we used to play football out the back and you know just, uh, I think everyone kicked a ball at least once in their life, yeah. in their childhood. And it just depends on whether you're good at it or whether you liked it, that you carried on with it. And I was, oh, we were a very sporty family. Um, apart from my uh, older sister, we were probably better in the the practical side than theory. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> But uh, did you have little? Uh, yeah, would you had little street leagues or anything like that in the yeah, area? We always, we always did. It was so competitive as well, and it was like it's like the World Cup playing like five <laughs> side up in the green with jumpers as goals. Yeah, that's great. Um, we were all leagues. Le- 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 where I'm from, um, Le- 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 is quite a sporty place. Quite good 
at sports good and uh, we had good teams yeah. so we were really competitive Leeslip is like uh, Luke and Shelbyville you know <laughs> the Simpsons <laughs> Shelbyville and, and, yeah that's a nice like, oh, Leeslip yeah but we always used to beat Luke and this is what <laughs> they never speak about this you're always better than Luke and <laughs> okay on to the next question uh, so listen you, 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 play, you played obviously with Leeslip and you, you moved on to St. Pat's uh, what, what, was, what was it like there in St. Pat's at the time? Yeah, it was really, like it was good. That was the first like a senior league, senior team I was on. When I was with Leeds, it was with all of my friends. Yeah, we were playing in an underage uh, league. But then we went up to the women's league. Even with Leeds, we went up to the women's league. But it was still all my mates. It was, and we were like fourteen playing in the women's <laughs> league. So St. Pat's was the first senior team and the first environment I went into on my own. Right. So it was difficult. It was really a big decision for me to leave everyone and go there. And there was there was a bit of pressure, to be honest, from me, from other players and from my manager to stay. Um, and would you have been like? A, would you have formed your your six foot sort of uh, height yeah. at that stage? I've been six foot since I was four. I was, I was a freak. <laughs> I was a freak growing up. <laughs> it finally came to an advantage after years of dreaming about being smaller. Did you get picked on in school? Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> no, because I have like two older brothers. I was never Oh yeah, on. that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's a bonus. All right. So obviously, yeah, so you, you, you felt a little bit a little bit out of sorts the same path so you decided to go to Denmark I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to try this Fortu- no, please don't Fortuna Horring Hor- be careful now no. what, what, yeah, how did very you? good yeah that's it okay <laughs> so how, how did that come about Fortuna Horring yeah we were playing with uh, Ireland I was playing on the under 19s um, and I was 16 just gone 16 and we were playing in a tournament and um, it was in Denmark. Denmark were hosting like a friendly international tournament, and we were over there playing. And I don't know, I must have done well, or someone liked me over there. But there was a couple of clubs there, and they contacted our Irish manager, and they asked me and another girl, our left winger, to go over and play for them. And we wouldn't go because we were so young. Like yeah. they were, they they were all nineteen playing in the tournament. We were like, I was just sixteen, so fifteen, sixteen. And uh, we wouldn't go. We were like, nah, I'm not leaving there. And like, what would we do at the weekends? Yeah. And more interesting stuff <laughs> to do, hanging around with our mates. Uh, but they convinced us to go to a tournament in America with them. Okay. With uh, with the club uh, called the Orange Bowl in Miami. And it was 10 days free trip. So, of course, we agreed to that. And, uh, yeah, and we went... And we played a couple of games with them, did a bit of shopping, <laughs> and they asked they asked me to go and play for them like full time, and I did it. It was just it was a good age because I was just finishing my leave insert, and I knew I probably wasn't going to do as well. I wasn't going to get my doctorate, so yeah. um, it was an option for me to go and do something else, and obviously to experience professional football, which wasn't even a thought in my head because in Ireland there's no such thing there's no such thing in England mm. so the only thing I did, knew about professional think? football was uh, the Italian league on a Saturday yeah, morning yeah, yeah. when my brother used to wake me up yeah. with oh let's go <laughs> 
So I was like, yeah, I might as well do it. I, I don't know anyone who's done it. I'd be the first person to do it in Ireland. So. Yeah, no, and it's, it, we always say it's, it's brilliant because we were talking to uh, Killian Sheridan, who's over in Poland, Poland yeah. now, and we're yeah. talking about the advantages of going abroad and, and, and to different countries. But if, yeah. what did your family think about sort of letting you go away to, I suppose, an, a whole new different country that they probably knew nothing about, really? They knew absolutely nothing. My family have a, an amazing skill of not having a conversation. <laughs> I don't even think we spoke about it. I, I think I came in, said I wanted to go at dinner, and that was it. I can't even remember anyone having a response. And then I was in Denmark. <laughs> We're unbelievable at this skill. And then pretending we do speak about stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three months later, have you seen Emma? Oh, she said what yeah, I mean the is table's he? still set oh by the way the dog has died six months ago I'm not joking this is this is a true story no I, I was we had a dog for like 12 years so you can imagine like it was like my other brother and um I rang home once and I said yeah I was I was everyone I was uncle I was just chatting away and then, uh, for some reason, I just asked about the dog, Fred. <laughs> I was like, how's Fred? Oh. Fred's dead. Oh, nobody <laughs> told you, did they? I, and I was like to my mum, well, you're the only one I really speak to on oh, the phone. Gosh. And she was like, oh, Fred died about six months ago. <laughs> I was like, right. Great, thanks. thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for allowing me to mourn for it. <laughs> so, listen, yeah. did you... Uh, did you get homesick? Is that why you came back from Denmark? Yeah, or, yeah. I, was, I was massively homesick. Like, and I, I'll be honest, I didn't miss my family. I miss my friends uh, more than anything. Yeah, yeah. And just my general routine. And it was mm. weird. It was strange for me to go from being in sixth year and seeing my mates every weekend to going to training every day and not having a clue about being a professional sports person. Right. Um, but it was a good learning curve, though, for you. It was a huge learning curve, and I'm glad I did it because I never would have been able to adapt to the life in Arsenal without it. So, mm. like, I came home. I think I came home twice in the season, and they came over and got me and brought me back. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I was running. <laughs> um, but it was it was a huge learning curve for me. I was living on my own, and I realised that Irish people are a lot mentally younger than the average European, European yeah, yeah, so even no though I was 18 I felt like a 14 year old yeah. you know yeah. we're, we're all I was kind of in a flat on my own they gave me a car at 15 <laughs> no way. and I was like have you got any roller boots right? <laughs> 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 I don't know how to drive I barely know how to ride a bike like. <laughs> so that was a very unusual experience but as I said it was a great foundation it was uh, definitely built up my the experience to go into a professional career. Great, and uh, I suppose Arsenal came along next, and that yeah. that kind of came about word of mouth more so than anything, was it? From yeah, one of your former. Yeah, I, mean, I was playing for uh, Ireland. Yeah. So I was kind of known around the circuit already, and uh, one of my best friends on the team, Kira Grant from Waterford. Uh, was playing for Arsenal. She had gone the same time I went for Denmark, but Arsenal wasn't professional. It was. Mm. It would have been the same for playing for Pats, but okay. obviously it's a bit more prestigious. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
so I went home after Denmark and I thought, well, that's that. That's not for me. I'm going to have to go back to college or do something with my life. And uh, I was, I had been speaking to Kira all the time anyway. And she was like, oh, listen, um, we need a goalkeeper. Our goalkeeper is injured. She'll be injured for about three months. Why don't you come over and see what you think for about three months? And I was like, not sure. But I'll come over like to visit you for the weekend. <laughs> and she was like, okay, do that then. So I went over on a Thursday, I think it Did was. Did you bring your boots now? And no, I didn't bring anything. <laughs> <laughs> I went over on a Thursday and I was coming back on the Monday. And in that space of time, I trained with them because Kira convinced me and the manager convinced me. And I'm realising now it was a ploy to get me to train with them and to try and get convince me to stay. But um, I thought it was a piss up, basically. Um, and I trained with them and the, min- the manager convinced me to stay. So I actually stayed an extra two weeks with nothing, just like a, a bag for the weekend. And you're going out close. Oh, just going out close. <laughs> Shin pads and stilettos. Just amazing. Um, and in the end, after like about 10 days, I came back to Lisa. I got more stuff and went back. And that was it. Signed the contract. Did you ever get bored of winning after all the years of Arsenal? Probably not, I'm sure. I'm going to be honest, I did. It really <laughs> bored me. And people used to think we were arrogant. Yeah. And I just want to state, we weren't arrogant, we were bored. Because yeah. nobody could beat us. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was, how many league titles did you win in a row? I don't know. You mentioned yeah, them yeah. at the start. Of I the know there's 11 titles. I was like shocked. My chin was dropping. I was like, really? Nine if I go up. I never knew that. And yeah. that's not being arrogant either. That is just being bored of winning. But that's the science, <laughs> but that's the science of the great teams when you hear about Man United in the 90s and the two that within a day they kind of got over it and said right on to the next one so I suppose that's where you obviously had a similar mindset then. Yeah but the thing was with us was we always wanted more we were a bit yeah. greedy that's yeah. what kept us winning. Mm. We wanted the the 15th league title we mm. wanted to make history and we wanted to make sure no one behind us was going to equal our history so we always had a challenge which kept it kind of fresh and then of course we always had the Champions League so you know that was that was going to keep us going for a while but in general you got your hands every on that, Sunday you? it was like oh who are we playing I don't know who cares let's just get the three points and get home and go for go for dinner and do whatever you want to do like so obviously all them league titles and as you were saying there was it kind of a split league where you only had one or two real challengers and then there was just the rest at the at that stage it was yeah. there's only about three or four teams and then we might have a bad day and another team might be having a good day and we might beat them only 2-0 mm. instead of 6-0 <laughs> like yeah. it was yeah. that that was that's the truth I think, I think when we, we we watched the, anytime we watched the, the women's football from England it was always the FA Cup because they used to always, always show Arsenal. <laughs> and it was yeah. always Arsenal maybe Doncaster Bells or something like yeah, that yeah. who, who were in thankfully it. it was only the FA Cup because if you'd have watched every league game like now there's a lot more coverage sure. and um, back then I'm kind of glad there wasn't because we'd be playing teams that you know they'd be like kicking fresh air and we'd be scoring our sixth goal and, right. yeah. you know I'd ring my dad after and he's like how would you do yeah we went yeah but I mean what was the score and I was like, I'd be like 6-0 and he's like oh Jesus and I'd be thinking <laughs> yeah Jesus they weren't very good so you know and at that stage it wasn't I don't think it would have been a good idea to air everything 
Yeah. yeah. FA Cup was always going to be a good game. And even at that, we could be we could win the FA Cup 5-0. Yeah, you know? yeah, there was a couple. We just yeah. always had the best teams, the best team in Europe and uh, the best players, certainly in England and the UK. Mm. Uh, you know, and in the the neighbouring nations. Who was your best player? Did you play with Emma? I always, I always have to say Olivia O'Toole. Yeah. From from Cher Street, she was the best player I played with, just for a natural talent. Mm-hmm. And if Olivia was in this generation now, she'd be a very, very rich girl, and <laughs> she won't yeah. want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but. She, Again, different, you know, horses for courses. Olivia was just the most amazing natural talent. Yeah. And she she could have played for a men's team and, and been one of the best players. She just had that gift. And and she didn't even realise it. <laughs> you know, Olivia liked her. We liked to go for a drink. She liked to do a lot of things that weren't very professional. <laughs> but she was always the best player on the pitch. Yeah. And the best player in Europe. One of the best players I've ever played against or played with. Um, just an unbelievable player. Yeah. But then for a player that was extremely professional and the generation that we grew up in, so at the professional level, it would have been probably Jane Nutlow in midfield. Yeah. Just a pure athlete. Her touch was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> And she won't mind me tell. Well, she might mind me telling you that, but I used to tell her every day as a goalkeeper. I was the only one who would. And she would give away the ball just so she could tackle. So she was a yeah, hard yeah. player. Well, she used to say that, but it was just such a shocking bad touch. Uh, but for an athlete and a player that was box to box, you know, just really enjoyable to play with. Uh, Jane Ludlow would probably be one of the best as well. What was the banter like in the dressing room? Did you just have many uh, nights yeah. out and, and a bit of team bonding and stuff like that? Absolutely. Of course, I was always the one leading the team nights out. But um, <laughs> there was a lot of girls that were very professional, wouldn't drink, which uh, right. is understandable. But I was lucky. I was growing up in that era that it was turning into, you know, you, you hear about Tony Adams talking about the yeah. change of an era. Well, I was kind of in that generation for women's football. We loved our nights out, usually mm. on a Thursday night. And, uh, and we were very good, like, don't get me wrong. We lived and breathed football, but we'd have at least one night where we enjoyed a drink as well. And it was always great banter. But for me, I'd still I'd still say that's missing yeah. in, in the game because mm. you have to bond, you have to have a break. It's the only release we have. And you're constantly um, in the, the, the football mentality so obviously you're having banter in the dressing room but you need that break yeah, from it well, you definitely and because need we're 24-7 football we only hung about with people who played football mm, yeah. so our break was with the teammates um, and you just need that well, you definitely need well. you definitely need to like the people that you're playing football with and oh, if you don't if you well, don't get the like bond everyone. I, I like half the team <laughs> I, here I seen I seen the YouTube clip I only watched it last night it's you I don't know the girl's name Scottish girl Emma on. M and Emma B I was watching Emma. it as well oh were you watching <laughs> it did you bully oh, that girl no. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a horrible video I was looking I go Jesus like Emma's I'm not very nice she's like, like just, I don't know if I want her on tomorrow is, morning <laughs> not at all that was an act right oh yeah no, me and Mitch lived together yeah. and we That's why the family got rid of you. 
As a goalkeeper, you have to be a bully. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I have to bully my players and more yeah. importantly, the other players. They have to be afraid of me. Um, no, listen, Mitch loved me. We lived together. Well, Mitch was about eight years old, uh, younger than me, so yeah, right. it was like her mother. So, right, yeah. yeah, I did bully her. That's what That's mothers <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just miscommunication because she, she went on a bit of a rant about something. One of the questions, I was like, what the hell is she saying? Exactly. No one understands her. So I'm not only her mother, I'm her translator. And that becomes quite tiresome after Just that. briefly about acting, what was the story with that metal detecting video? I knew you were going to bring that up. Because I was like, I was to swear, this is a, this is a piss take, but that. then I was like, hold on, she's acting very well. Does she actually like metal detecting? No. This right. <laughs> the amount of people that thought I was serious. But that's I didn't what, even <laughs> know what it was about until I turned up. <laughs> I had no idea. I knew I had to do this cameo thing. Of yeah. Sir, like six minutes or it was probably longer than that was longer <laughs> and players the men men's players were doing uh, certain things one, one lad had about gardening and I was supposed to watch it before I turned up but of course I never did any yeah. prep for anything I was lazy I was like you winged oh, it yeah, well though I'll, I'll give you that whatever. And when I turned up I was in the middle of a park Finsbury Park yeah. which was the roughest area in London <laughs> And uh, they just handed me this thing, and I was like, for real? And people were looking at me, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so <laughs> embarrassing. But the, the guy that was doing it was really funny, so he got me on this kind of... I, I was buzzing, like, yeah. off him, not realising that people were going to actually watch this, because I never watched the, the show. So I was like, ah, feck, I know I going to watch it, I'm just going to have a laugh. <laughs> the amount of people that watched it, and believed it. I did, I went halfway through it. one summer, and my ma was like... Oh my God, Emma, it, I was looking at that video, hilarious. And you know what? I actually love metal detecting too. <laughs> Look, we don't have anything in common. I know you're buzzing, thinking I finally have a connection with my daughter who plays football. But believe me, we still don't. Uh, I don't like metal detecting. All right. Well, like at least that's close. I didn't believe it. <laughs> Uh, listen, we go back. We go back to football again, will we? Uh, the uh, you you were, I suppose, you were at, a, at the peak of your powers exactly at the same time when the 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 men's team and the Invincibles and all were there. Was there much interaction between the teams, or you just kind of left to your own devices, or what way does that work? Uh, yeah, there was. Like we uh, we were based at the training ground, so we seen them all the time, and they were really successful as well. So. Mm. We were kind of jumping on the bandwagon and we were doing tours with them and uh, a couple of pre-season trips and we were doing the open top tours around London behind them. Obviously, the peop more people were there for them, but we were enjoying that uh, success as well because we were winning trebles and going on a continuous run. So it felt like there was a lot of appreciation for how the women's team were doing. And to be honest, at that time we probably made the team a lot more uh what to say famous but um acknowledged yeah. at that time because the men were winning yeah. they were getting mm. lots of um uh, hype and press coverage which meant we were too so it was a really good time for the club and of course when they stopped winning <laughs> which i don't know if one anything well anything serious for a long time yeah we weren't getting that press and we were still winning so yeah. it was that was strange for us as well because we had that hype and then we didn't have as much hype but we were still 
getting all the success like we were getting that success so we were like oh for feck's sake lads will you just win will you just win a <laughs> lee or something so we can go and open top bus again yeah. but uh yeah and it, it, it was strange being around the training ground when they weren't winning and there was pressure on them because we were still buzzing yeah and it's like when you walk into a room laughing and you look around and the, everyone's got faces Dead like it. smacked Arses, if I can say that word. <laughs> so it really felt like we weren't we weren't able to enjoy our success when they were being such miserable sods, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and what was Arsene Wenger like? Did he did he interact with us at all? And yeah, I loved Arsene Wenger. He was he was a really nice man, like a real gent. Yeah. And he was super clever. Like he knew everything that was going on at the club. He was always interested in the women's team. Like he come up to you and shake your hand and he knew the result from the mm. previous day and unfortunately he he always knew when I made mistakes for some reason <laughs> it's true what they say people remember mistakes they don't remember mistakes <laughs> but he'd always be like oh it's, it's not it's not so good yesterday uh, that ball to the I'm like whichever <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <I know. laughs> So he was interested. He loved football, whether it was men, women, the Spanish league, the French league, the Japanese mm. league. He 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 knew about it, and uh, he always kept up to date. And he always considered us a part of the club. Like he transformed yeah. that club one hundred percent because he was so intelligent. Um, and I believe because he was so intelligent, he was such a gentleman, and he knew how to treat people with respect. And, right. You know, he's a great man. So, was there anyone? of any time there that you just didn't like was anyone who who comes across as nice but really isn't nice are you talking about the men's yeah, side again were, anyone anyone oh. really but anyone yeah there was Patrick Vieira was one of the nicest fellas you'll meet such a such a nice man and um, there was loads like I used to love Emmanuel Petit he was great laugh uh, the Irish boys obviously were my favourite. We used to get along great with them. Like when I was there, I was just 19. And then you had Graham Barry, you had Stephen Bradley, mm, yeah. um, you had Stephen, oh, I can't think of his name, he's going to kill me. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was about five or six Irish, young Irish lads and we used to have a great laugh with them. And there was a great community there, Irish community, because there was Liam Brady and... Yeah. Uh, there was always that sense that we were kept together, you know. Yeah. And Liam Brady would always treat us differently than everyone else as well, like being honest. So we always felt we were kind of like important for the club. Um, and then of course you had Thierry Henry, who was a really nice lad. They always made a point to, to speak to until he handled the ball. And then I hope there was no fraternising, was there, uh, Emma? Was there any never. fraternizing? Never. No, not at all. Never, never. Look, with, we're if, not, if it was we with Thierry Henry, just forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> we were in football boots and shin pads. Yeah. We weren't in the stilettos and the mini skirt, <laughs> which was the norm that the footballers Good went stuff. for. Did you, uh, did you ever... And we had an opinion and we were strong-minded. So oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, Jesus, they wouldn't go near you. <laughs> did, did, you ever, uh, did you ever get roasted? By a manager. Jesus Christ. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I used to get roasted all the time. Listen, managers used to roast the players that, number one, they knew could take it, or number two, they wanted to get rid of. So I was always the one that I could take it, you know. Mm. And growing up, I always hung about with lads and, and my friends at home who were still my best mates. We're crude people. We speak 
uh, what's on our mind. You know, we say what's on our mind. So we're, I'm used to it. I've, I've had football boots thrown at me, glasses <laughs> kicked at me. Uh, it's the same as men's football back yeah. in the day. Like the managers wouldn't give a. I, I keep going to swear. I don't swear I that. I promise. <laughs> uh, they don't give a, a crap what's going on uh, and what they say. If they're under pressure, they're under pressure, yeah. and they try to rile the team up as well as they can. And sometimes that is a. a uh, I don't know how to say this without <laughs> saying a bad word either. Sometimes that is a. Do do the father Ted Baxtered or. Uh, a barricon a ball star star in <laughs> um, yeah we used to get it all the time well we were strong enough to do that and you know what that, those kind of things those moments made you stronger yeah, you know yeah. my dad was from Meat Street so I had plenty of them <laughs> when I was younger so you were thick skinned well. enough for it yeah, exactly. I uh, used to. We now, I think I, we're getting to know you now. So we kind of know, getting to know your personality. So now we know who led the revolt for the women's national team. <laughs> <laughs> and they, so remember, you know what, so what, what happened? What happened there? Give us a good, give us a good insight on what happened and actually what were you dealing with? Yeah, it was murder. Jesus, Do you know what? It was in all my life. It was the most stressful time of my life. Yeah, yeah. and I never ever believed that. I'd face anything like that, like on or off the pitch. Yeah. I always thought my toughest moments were going to be big games, qualifiers or cup finals. That was by far the toughest time in my career, 100%. Mm. It was a case of I've been there for years and, you know, I was a baby coming into the senior team. I was I was sitting on the bench when I was 14 years old mm. for a senior team, which was crazy. And I remember hearing the seniors uh, having problems getting to games they had to pay for uh, their, their own travel it was costing them money and I remember Sue Hayden um, the goalkeeper before me an amazing goalkeeper um, I remember her talking to someone you know as a kid listening to your mum talking and I remember her saying like she was, she just bought a house and she had no money and she was really struggling to get to training for petrol like the petrol money mm. And I remember looking at her and I thinking, oh, my dad drops me off. Like, I, I'm never going to have that problem. Timmy's not going to drop me off when I'm dirty on. <laughs> and um, I didn't think anything of it. And then through the years, just like the struggle of training. And at that stage, we were going from a Friday to a Sunday training. Right. Every It was like semi-professional, but not getting paid for it. Yeah. And not realizing and not thinking about the struggles people would have. Yeah. Uh, doing that like not being able to work and and it wasn't until the about 10 years ago when I became like one of the responsible senior players that I realized this is awful yeah. and then playing with Arsenal and playing with national team players and realizing what they have and how they're progressing yeah. and I'm just realizing well it's not really good enough but still not doing anything about it because yeah. you're playing for your country it's a massive honour and for me it was the biggest honour so I didn't care I was getting paid from my club yeah. so it wasn't a problem for me and we had such great banter with the Irish team we always had amazing players like as in banter and relationships it was always a great thing so it was for me a, a, a break 
from playing with Arsenal and it was something I was always going to do and it was um, a benefit. We didn't care about getting paid. And um, But then it came to a stage where Scotland were getting better, mm. which was very competitive with our, our neighbours. We never played against England. so And they were always a little bit better because we felt they had a bigger pool of players to choose from yeah. and the league was always better so we were like okay fair enough but Scotland getting there no 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 this can't happen <laughs> because they started investing money and they started investing in academies so the 13 year olds were going to academies and it got to a stage where their senior team became better and they were um, allowing the players to to or enabling the players to train every day so they were paying for their gym memberships they were encourage them to become full-time players basically okay. to and invest so, in, in in clubs and academies so the thing of tracksuits so, and hand-to-hand tracksuits back and all were that all true was it the, 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 yeah yeah absolutely so everything was true look, look people were coming from the fai saying these things weren't true that was a load Jesus of hard wallop yeah, yeah. in the nicest way everything was true we were changing in the toilets, changing tracks in yeah, the to- yeah. uh, toilets. Um, it was costing us money to go and, mm. uh, and play. Like, it was getting to a stage where, look, I know, I've, I come from a cynical background. People are like, oh, what are you talking about? Just go, you're paying for your country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get to keep a jersey? Well then, what are you moaning about? <laughs> and that's the way I've grown up. That's how everyone in my family are like not to that sense but we were like just appreciate what yeah, you have yeah. and, and get through it we're we're a working class family but it was getting to the stage where some of our best players weren't able to come on on the trips and weren't able to play because they had to work and this for me was unacceptable yeah. so and did you, do you, do you feel went, you, you're seeing uh, chances of qualifying for major tournaments slip away absolutely. because of this this was, a, this was the main thing yeah. so it wasn't a case of we want money we want to, we want to be able to train together and we want to be able to play at a higher level yeah. that was what we needed and what we need how we needed to do it was money unfortunately mm. but i went to delaney along years ago about it and of course in my nice way because i was never taught how to be um, <laughs> like raw and you know go for what i want i was like oh do, do you think or would you mind and you know indirectly yeah. asking is there any way we can make this better and how we can make it better? We'll do this. So I went to him with a plan how we could do stuff to generate more money and never a handout. And, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, we can do that. That sounds great. Nothing happened. Just entertained you. For three years later, and we were still asked, three years later, I got to a stage where I was like, okay, I'm getting a little bit annoyed about this. Mm. You know? And I was getting to a stage where I was coming towards the end of my career, yeah. so I knew I had nothing to lose, so to speak. If, yeah. You know, if if it was going to happen, it had to be from me, because the other players coming um, coming up or under me are young. They might be strong enough. They they they're not going to do it because they'd be like me when I was their age. Because I would never have done it. Yeah. Um, which I wish I'd done it a long time ago but my career might have been cut a lot short, shorter if I'd have done it so it was the right time for me to do it and of course um, we had the PFAI behind us which yeah. was a massive thing it gave me it gave me support and, and gave me confidence to go and do it What are the benefits from that since now obviously the success of the team has been fantastic and 
maybe yeah. that's been the push that they need. But how, what, what kind of changes have come in now? Or, or what kind of improvements have been made since? Well, it's, you know, players have been able to go to their uh, companies that they mm. work for because in Ireland there's not a professional league, so most of the team aren't playing professionally, mm. which for me is the problem. Yeah, I want to convince the players to go to England, which is what I had to do mm-hmm. to to get better, and half the players had to do. Like we have Neve Fahey, who uh, could have been a doctor, like, super brainy nerd (laughs) and she had to go abroad to play and she had to forsake her her working career for football so I believe that's what you have to do anyway which is a shame yeah it's one thing or the other but the players who do play at home have been able to go to their bosses and say look I need to cut my hours down Mm -hmm. you can pay me less I need to cut my hours down because I need to be able to train and and go to the gym every day which was a which is a huge benefit um, you also have players who can pay their mortgage and pay their bills mm. um, because they're they're getting um, reimbursed when they have to take days off, you know, mm. because and it's just less stress. You know, players are taking all their holiday days to play football, True. which would have been would have easily been 26 days a year. And then they've no holidays, so they can't uh, relax. Because believe me, it's not a holiday when you go away playing football. Um, it's just made their lives in general better. So they've been able to focus on football more. Uh, so they're able to keep up with the likes of Wales and Scotland who've been doing it for years. Yeah. Have you uh, any regrets in football? Uh, I regret not doing that earlier yeah. because a lot of players I've seen a lot of players have to step down because of it and really good players players that yeah, you the last players. could have helped us qualify so that was a regret but then I know there would have been re- repercussions if I'd have done that earlier yeah. you know um, instead of playing for the national team for 23 years I might have played for 16 yeah. so you know it, it was a different situation but but that's your only that's, re- that's your only went. regret. I mean, in fairness, you've, you're probably at the best football club at, at the time. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, as, no, as goes, I, I had offers. I, I would have liked to go to America. Now looking back, yeah, I might have accepted one of those offers. Yeah. But you know, again, it's got. It, it wouldn't. I wouldn't have had the the fairy tale story. Like I, I played for Arsenal for seventeen years yeah. because. I refused scholarships because I refused other offers from European teams. Yeah. And I don't regret that because I'm, I I like the way uh, my story went yeah. and I like the fact I played for the same club. I, I'm a loyal person and that was, that was very hard to find in football. But I probably suffered financially for it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> But I was never, it was never about the money for me. It was about being happy, about being surrounded by friends. And that's one of the main reasons I retired, because all my friends had gone. They retired. And it wasn't the same for me. So it wasn't the age and it wasn't my physical form. I was still playing. In fact, I was probably playing some of the best football I'd played ever. Yeah. I was at a good stage in my career, but all my friends had left. I wasn't enjoying it. Right. Right. Uh, and that was probably the reason. So you're retired. You're are you are you living in Barcelona now? Is that? I am officially. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a Spaniard, but I'm officially living here. Is that because they have great beaches for metal detecting? <laughs> 
shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate the fact you've brought that to light again. It's just about it was the third dwindled video off getting hit. It's going to trend now, I, I'm, well, I'm actually glad you're putting it out there that it was a joke yeah. or it's not well, true. I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. It's good acting. <laughs> Listen, but uh, they do have a lot of beaches and there are uh, a lot of things to find on beaches. <laughs> what do you, what, so what, you, what is the future for yourself? What, what are you looking to do? Um, well, I started teaching in September. Um, I finished training mid-September and uh, I started teaching at the end of September. Absolutely nuts for me to have a real job. Yeah. I have to decide what to wear in the morning, which is the, <laughs> the hardest decision I've had to make in my life. You don't wear your Arsenal gear, so. No. I'd love to throw on a track too. I'm an absolute. I'm a bit of a, a skanger, to be honest. I love trainers and tracksuits. And um, I, I, I don't wear them anymore. It's weird. My whole, I'd love to send you a picture of my wardrobe. Just, I have about 50 pairs of trainers, like Puma trainers, Puma tracksuits, and one tiny section for normal people clothes. And what are you and, teaching, uh, Emma? I have to get rid of it. Huh? What are you teaching? Teaching English. Yeah. Oh, Senorita Burn. Oh, Senorita, yeah. And, and it's nuts. And I've realised we are absolutely crap at English. <laughs> how we speak, so, uh, the, our knowledge is just so bad. So bad. How have you crept the word skanger into the English <laughs> lesson? <laughs> uh, what is skanger? has scoby. It's actually chunny over here. I oh, do know. <laughs> <laughs> so I just say uh, chunny big hoop earrings and track <laughs> uh, pyjamas to Tesco's <laughs> well listen we, we're, unfortunately because really can I ask one oh, yeah, final question just purely because obviously with the crowds maybe in the early days wouldn't have been as big as what they were and you being in goal sure, did you hear anything funny in the terraces behind you at all or in your time I used to get absolutely abused. The goalkeeper gets an awful time because we can't run away from them. Yeah, yeah. I used to. People used to say to me, "Oh, you're like one of the first like sweeper keepers, and yeah. you know, you're like an outfield player." And I used to think it's to get away from the <laughs> crowd behind the goal. They used to give me awful, an awful time. Um, we. It's funny now that I think of what I used to want to absolutely bait the head off. Oh yeah, of course. People. Because every time I go to kick the ball, they just go, oh, potatoes. He <laughs> <laughs> used to drive me mad. I used to like, That's racist, Emma. Like, you should have done something about this. absolute racism back there. Yeah, we do love potatoes, mashed boiled chip, but who cares? So do you. It's funny because we, when we, I went over to see Ireland and England in Wembley and... Uh, we were in. The, we went to go to the Irish pub across from Wembley, and it was jam packed. And so there was oh, a yeah. British. Always. Pub, there was an English pub across the way, and there was you know, all the the flags and all that. So ah, come on, we go in there. So we went through a whole crowd of English people, and we went in, and there was all these lads in there singing out, and they were singing all the songs that you can think of. You know, yeah. the the World War songs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, really, yeah. yeah. But. Then we had a bit of a, a sort of a to and fro between each other. The, the songs were going, you know, and, and at one stage then they started singing, you love potatoes and you know you do, you know, and this is supposed to be an insult <laughs> to us. And we were sitting there going, the, our next song back to them was, uh, yeah, we love potatoes and we know, we, we like potatoes, I don't get it. <laughs> 
uh, but there's but nothing you can slag us about no, like, when no. you think of it there is it's absolutely like nothing okay we haven't colonised 200 countries so yeah, no. that's that's your thing potatoes yeah. okay <laughs> and we, we love alcohol but yeah, yeah. how are you going to slag us over that yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know but right. it's the only slag they can get get us on and Keith Lemon, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Keith. <laughs> 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 not exactly a slag, but I used to get insulted because I used to think, you know, I'm thinking they want to insult me, yeah, even though potatoes don't fair. insult me. <laughs> I just want to boot the ball at them. <laughs> well, well no, we used to, I used to get an awful time, but, you know, we were winning 4 0. You didn't care. But some of the things that you say would be hilarious, like Jeremy Kyle stuff. I'd be like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is so true. Well done. <laughs> uh, we're, we're running out of time, yeah, unfortunately. No choice. And uh, you have beaches to comb so we are going to uh, we're going to leave it there Emmett listen you've been an absolute pleasure to talk to a delight oh, and thank uh, you for having uh, me. we might actually we might actually uh, sneak you back on sometime when Ireland in the qualify. future when Ireland qualify without you have to you. catch me first you know, I might be sunbathing <laughs> well, or you might catch that treasure <laughs> might get that treasure off the coast of Barcelona there uh, Emmett ha- have, a, have a brilliant day and uh, enjoy your time thanks over. to you talk thanks to you. a lot Cheers, have a good day Bye.